Yeah. Yeah. For like, yeah, like Dilophosaurus. Newman style. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just like shoots it in their face. And we can. Sunday scaries. He meets the girl like in France on like a it train. It is Ladder. Yeah, right? It yeah, is, isn't right. it? Maybe I'm totally messed up on where the thing took. I saw it so long ago, but I thought it took place in Europe somewhere. Huh. Hey, everyone. Hey, guys. Hey, this is Sunday <laughs> Scaries. My name is Travis. I'm hanging out with Blake today. What's up, guys? Blake is a, he's an actor in the industry. He's a fantastic all-around human being, and uh, it's nice enough to come and hang out and watch a movie with me today. Uh, it's just me and Blake today. There's no Tyler. There's no Daniel. We're, gonna, we're, we're keeping this nice and tight and intimate here. Nice and tight. And what do we watch? We watched The Taking of Deborah Logan. Fuck yeah. Oh yeah. There are no words to describe. This is not normal sleepwalking. Oh, you really gave us all quite a fright with your late night gardening. This was was this your very first time seeing it? Oh yeah, first oh, time. Yeah. Never awesome. seen it before. That's awesome. That makes me so happy. Yep. <laughs> it didn't make me very happy, but no. <laughs> it was it was uh it was fun. I was it, gonna say on the uh as you were texting me, that's what I was thinking about. Like of the movies on this first watch list, this is one of the ones where I'm like, it's it's definitely more unsettling than some of the other jokey or uh kind of modern horror movies. Uh, yeah, for the, sure. The found footage element of it, plus some of the more darker themes that kind of run throughout it. It's a, we were just saying that it's a little bit sometimes too real. Uh, yeah, I think it, it, it hits it, home for a lot of people. I mean, it kind of it kind of wants to present itself as being extremely real. I think that is one of the things that makes it so terrifying, mm-hmm. is because it's like you know it's it's a, a mockumentary or documentary horror film. Mm-hmm. Um, about a very real subject, which is, you know, Alzheimer's and that it just goes terribly wrong and turns towards the demonic side of things. Mm-hmm. But I think that's what it, it plays off of. It's like the found footage, you know, it's like a hodgepodge of like everything that, that has been popular in horror for like the past 20 years, like found footage, demonic possession. It, it's like all it's those things. All. It's got yeah. it all. It's got everything you need. There's this really Except good- a sense of humor. It's not very funny. <laughs> It's got, I don't know, it's got its moments uh, with some of the fucking like camera crew and shit. Like there's, I don't know, there's, there, I think there was some comedic moments in there, like in the found footage vein of thought. Um, oh they, yeah, yeah. Cause that one, that one camera guy was like, you're doubling my rate or I'm walking. And then the guy behind the camera was like, yeah, if he gets double me too. Yeah, me too. That's, <laughs> this is a union thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because yeah, seriously, they I don't know the some of those yeah that one camera is it Gavin? He's the one camera guy who's yep. like you know trying to get. I mean, and his his complaints are reasonable. Like I feel like if you're on a crew like that and shit like that starts going down, like if you were on a set oh, yeah. and somebody was like ripping the skin off their neck, you know, found footage or you know documentary or not, would you stay on if they doubled your rate or would you? Well, it would, would you probably ask more it, would, money? it would probably be a Nicholas Cage film, Nicholas Cage <laughs> film. So I probably would stay for that reason. But other than that, I probably would walk. Yeah. Yeah, this is a so this uh, this movie. Uh, sorry, I lost my uh, notes about the dates here and everything. Come Dude. on, man, get on it. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, let me pull it back up here. I we have to have the outline, or we will ramble, people. Yeah, that's true. 
All right, so yeah, um, 2014, The Taking of Deborah Logan. This is like a kind of a found footage food, uh, movie um, by uh, Adam Robitaille. Um, so there's this really interesting, uh, it, I, I like that you brought up and kind of pointed out the uh, the found footage nature of it right at the top because there's this really great um, Screen Rant article that I read that kind of compares this movie along with uh, another found footage movie called uh, The Last Exorcism. Have you seen that? Um, I've se- I feel like there's so many movies that start with The Last Exorcism, which is ironic. Um, I've seen The Last Exorcism of Emily Rose, but right. I have not seen, if, the, if that's where the title stops, I don't think I've seen that one. Yeah, not, so The Last Exorcism is another one. Uh, this is a movie with like Patrick Fabian and stuff that has, um, it, it, it's kind of a similar format where in, in this movie, in The Taking of Deborah Logan, we're presented with this camera crew who goes out and they uh, establish up top that the idea is they're filming this um, this medical documentary about Alzheimer's about, and they they chose this one subject, this elderly woman played by Jill Larson, um, who's experiencing Alzheimer's, and they're they're trying to portray it, you know, in an investigative journalism sort of way, and then things go bizarrely wrong when it turns out that there's maybe a little bit more with uh, with Deborah Logan than just her Alzheimer's, yep. um, and it's really interesting. Like I I love the setup of uh, th- this way to sort of play with the found footage format. Um, in this kind of era, I guess, you know, speaking now in 2022, this was, you know, a decade and a half ago almost. Um, but I'm also thinking of when the first Paranormal Activity movie comes out um, and, you know, sort of like a decade after the Blair Witch Project, which sort of was the big reset in the found footage genre, right? Yep. Um, so the 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 Last Exorcism is another movie um, that there's this really great Screen Rant article that kind of compares the two because they have virtually very, very, very similar budgets, uh, right around the $2 million mark, um, essentially, um, but are received wildly differently. The Last Exorcism uh, makes buttloads of money. I think it makes like over $40 million and makes like a lot of its money back uh, and everything And versus the taking of Deborah Logan, which hardly the distribution of it was a little bit wonky as well, but hardly makes half a million dollars back. Um, very much is not, you know, received or received as well or garners as much success as uh, the last exorcism. Wow. It did that poorly. Yeah. It was not theater? a good, you know, I think it was, yeah. Like I said, I think distribution wise, uh, not a very wide release. I think it was like sort of, a. Um, one of those things just got dumped by uh, by its studio. Yeah. Um, but The Last Exorcism is, is another one. I, I bring that up, and I, this article brings that up, too, because it's sort of uh, the format of that one is essentially there's this uh, – he's, he's essentially a, a priest who has – but he's a priest only in name. He goes around, he's sort of lost his faith, but goes and performs um, exorcisms using various like, you know, carnival tricks and stuff in order to sort of give um, uh, kind of a cathartic release to the families that are asking for this. Cause he, he admits at the top of that movie that most of the time it's, you know, it's a mental health issue or it's like a family, you know, therapy issue. And so he kind of approaches it from that standpoint, but doesn't believe in the actual ghosts and demons aspect of it until he finds the one house where, you know, there's something real going on and he's in over his head. Um, right. Which a- I think, which I think is a theme that they play with in a lot of horror, these horror movies is mm-hmm. like the, the, the person, the main protagonist who, refuses to believe that something extra you know extraordinary is happening outside and it can be explained until finally they can't explain it yeah because you have to have you know the it works well character wise because you have the uh you know the the unwilling protagonist and then sort of the call to action which works a lot for those format of movies um like in the last exorcism it's you know the call to action is you know there's something real going on here and then the the main character has to reject that call to action and turn away from it um, this one is interesting where I think, you know, our main character, our protagonist is, is the film crew in general, right? Where yeah. it's like each 
person, each character of the film crew kind of represents a different aspect of what, you know, maybe a traditional protagonist would be. Um, where, you know, like Gavin, the, the one is like, he's like the, the common sense, like, let's get out of here. And then like the main director, she's sort of like, you know, the, the, the sense of honor or, you know, commitment to whatever task that they've been handed down. Yeah, Um, for sure. Yeah. What did you think of this like ragtag bunch of, uh, of film crew characters? Well, I mean, Gavin was obviously, I think my favorite because he had the most personality um is this because it's really three people right because there's also the camera camera guy who's pretty much just like the voice over the camera right behind and the he, camera and he shows up in various like they the thing i like about this aspect of found footage is you know the way that they're kind of justifying having the various camera angles and shots like within the movie um this movie i think plays a lot more fast and loose with like that format too though because they will periodically insert you know fully edited clips as if they're pulled directly like from the final documentary right yeah for sure and this film i think is very similar to a lot of the found footage films which is uh it seems like script wise they didn't really have a lot they probably just had like a lot of like okay well this is what we're going to talk about in this scene here's maybe a point a and a point b and then we're just going to kind of see what happens it's, it seems very improvised yeah but it, but it works out well in these movies i think yeah i think there's there's a lot of like you know th- there's like large sketching uh in like the directorial sense and then the actors do do a good job of like playing within that um and then there's obviously some scenes that i think are very well storyboarded out because of like they're you know, particularly like the strong horror scenes because of the yeah. moments that need to be set up and that that pay off yeah for um, sure but yeah, I do like, I don't know, there, there is a, I, I, there, I think there's a fatigue that's come along with like the, we're, we're so used to now decades after it, the idea of like the mockumentary or documentary style, because it was, you know, kind of established in the, the mid 2000s oh, and for then sure. really like hit out of the park by the, you know, sitcom TV shows and stuff, yeah. um, which like nailed down that format. Um, and why, why I think it's interesting to kind of revisit movies like this, where we get, you know, different spins on the found footage sort of format. Um, like I said, I brought a paranormal, paranormal activity, um, which I think did an amazing job of figuring out ways to get in those, those various horror movie shots and angles and stuff yeah, to yeah. justify having well, the camera it's funny, in place. It's funny that you bring that up because I, me and my girlfriend watched it together. And I think at the same moment, we realized they were setting up the cameras in the house to where it was doing the kind of paranormal activity yeah. thing. And at that very moment, we both went, oh, fuck. Yeah, it's because it's the worst. We, because, <laughs> cause you, cause you know what you're going to be getting whenever that happens. You know what I mean? You know you're just going to be getting these eerie ass shots yeah. of like somebody just doing the weirdest shit and they do a great job with it especially the way that they play out joe larson and her character as being this just like they, they, there is that sense of uh the, the amount of tension that built that's built up in this movie oh yeah that's periodically you know pierced by all the various yes. you know weird moments uh, and with the elderly while you kind of are just touching on her for a second like props to this woman because her what, perf- yeah what a what a undertaking of a role to have to do where you're basically just melting down the entire movie yeah she's and either crying or, yeah or like crying or screaming or just like just writhing and like demonic pos- i mean like props to anybody really that does a demonic possession movie because that shit is not easy to actually do and pull off historically dangerous historically dangerous yeah yeah (laughs) for anybody that's partaking in these like yeah i mean there's the the famous cursed films especially from you know the decades before this era where maybe the the, you know the standards of uh of of, uh, stunt security rigging weren't up to you know the same part that they are now and you end up you know breaking one of your actors backs on set because you have them rigged up to a you know a fancy rig that that tosses them around and shit and and this woman I mean, the first time you see her, even though she definitely like she deteriorates throughout the movie, 
she already kind of physically seems frail when you first see her. So you're already just kind of like, I mean, you know, this is the woman that's going to have all the bad shit happen to. And you're just like this poor old woman who's like, so like this demon's an asshole. Like, you know, you got, you go into it kind of already thinking that. Yeah. And talking about, so, uh, Joel Larson, the actor that plays, uh, Deborah Logan, you know, she's the main kind of powerhouse performance of the movie. Like you're talking about, uh, did you recognize her maybe from anything else? I did it. You actually, you know, I didn't, and I even went and I IMDb'd her whenever I was watching the movie. And I think I, I I remember seeing a couple of things, and you'll probably refresh me real quick. But like, she looked familiar without me kind of immediately having a ping whenever I saw her. She has that, uh, you know, she has that appearance of, especially you know, at this point in her career, they they did her up. I think they made her, you know, look significantly older in this, yeah, this she, movie too. Like yeah. she's not that old, and also as she you know deteriorates. Uh, over the course of the movie but I just thought it was funny looking at her credits she is a big TV actor you know and that's one of the main things where I think it's funny I feel like people of our generation particularly are like the last ones who even had a a relationship with uh, you know daily sitcoms and uh, and melodramas and stuff which it seems like have kind of been replaced by on streaming at least by reality TV stuff and like by oh yeah like that's what that neat would, would fill that gap I guess in people's watch list but she was on you know famously on almost 800 episodes of All My Children oh my um, god yeah so she is a like a sitcom or a uh, you know a, a melodrama soap opera kind of veteran yeah um, which I think plays sort of perfectly into this role where she's sort of especially in this character who is you know losing touch with reality but still has such a uh, a need to preserve her dignity um which is a main kind of driving force where you 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 empathize so much with the character right off the bat where it's it's such an interesting way to play a um you know not not an antagonist or a monster but you know somebody who has to go through the ordeal that the movie's going to put them through where you you're immediately like oh that that's like my grandma. Like it could be, you know, I, I care so much about her already and I just want her to, you know, right. to have her dignity. Well, uh, like how many times in, in movies like this, um, is the person already going through something? Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they're already, like she's already physically deteriorating, um, before she ever gets like possessed by this demon. Yeah. You know, and we don't really know exactly when she got possessed by the demon. Right. It happens pretty quickly, mm-hmm. but like she's already deteriorating by the time the movie starts. Mm-hmm. So it's like, man, like <laughs> shit's really hard for this yeah. woman, you know, she's going through it. Yeah. Her, her and her daughter. Right. Yeah. That's, that's one thing. Like, so we, we kind of talked about, you know, uh, Jill Larson a little bit, you know, setting up, um, her as the main character uh just glancing over some of the other casts and stuff we have so like like you said there's only like a couple of characters in this movie um michelle ang plays mia who is like the director uh writer mm-hmm. um of the film uh we have brett uh gentle gentile playing uh gavin um jeremy de uh, carlos is uh lewis who is that other uh, camera operator camera who's off screen um and then uh, Anne Ramsey plays Sarah Logan, who is like the the daughter here, the caregiver. Um, yeah, who she she looked very familiar. Yeah, she's in like uh, I think look I looked this up before too. How like she's in some like TV stuff as well, but she just looks like one of those like '90s moms or something. Yeah, that pops up in in a Disney Channel original movie. I think uh, I leaned over at one point in the movie and I and I told my girlfriend um, she kind of looks like Laura Dern's younger sister. Oh yeah, I could see that. Yeah, yeah. I was like, and she was like, oh yeah, she kind of does. I was like, yeah, don't they kind of like look alike? And she was like, yeah. Yeah, I guess her main credit is uh, A League of Their Own with uh, Tom Hanks from the 90s. Like, oh, that's a, yeah. yeah so. That, oh, my God. Yeah. It pays off, right? It yep. kind of all checks out, too, especially yep. with, like, her character. Um, yep. 
Which, again, I think, so uh, kind of briefly setting up, we kind of established what the plot was, you know, up top. Basically, so this camera crew uh, headed by by uh, director Mia comes in and they're they're going to make a documentary film about Alzheimer's featuring Deborah Logan. Um, we kind of get into the, the setup of uh, the sort of the household situation. And it appears that Sarah, the daughter, um, who's like, you know, an adult, maybe in her 40, uh, 40s, 40s. Uh, daughter caretaker of her uh, elderly mother um they're they're set up early on as being kind of strapped for cash uh you know kind of dealing with like i guess the financial issues that come along with a, a medical situation like this um and then that kind of plays off as well as as the movie progresses is you know her relationship with her mom and sort of the uh the anxieties of being a primary caregiver in a situation like this where you know you're not you're not you're not in the best you know um sorts for for or super well equipped to deal with something of this magnitude um what i think is like yeah like i said we, we talked about earlier like the elements of this being too real or like you know a little bit like it it does purport i think if you if you've had somebody in your family who's experienced like dementia or alzheimer's it's like this movie definitely hits home for you where they they seem to capture you know especially in the sort of establishment establishment sequences of like showing you know deborah logan's character as being like you know they'll they'll be doing the tour through the house right and sarah's they'll be like picking out little elements of the house and stuff and kind of describing their 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 backstories to the the film crew for the sake of um, the audience as well and we see that you know deborah logan not not being able to remember specific memories of traveling in the past or who people were or remembering the name for uh different objects in in the house and stuff yeah. um i think some of those scenes were the, some of the ones that like hit me the most where i was like oh man i've i've had a grandparent like go through that and you see what it's like and you're like damn it's uh yeah yeah they do a really good job of setting up the the backdrop of the alzheimers mm-hmm. and also i think i think they do a really good job of setting up a history to like the the relationship between the mom and the daughter and mm-hmm. also like the how the the landkeeper guy or like whatever i can't remember his name but we'll right. get to, we'll get to him but like you know him and then the relationships they set up between the people it seems like all these people have known each other for a really long time and there is like a deep history there and that this is something that's kind of been developing over time they do a really good job of uh of setting that up yeah i thought yeah, and uh, Harris is the other one. Yeah, the uh, he's like Deborah Logan's neighbor who plays a big role in, yeah. in the in the rest of the plot. Um, so yeah, they they go through and like I guess things kind of start breaking down pretty quickly. Like within, they do, like within the household. Uh, they like even the first scene where like they're they're out there and she's like gardening. Like Sarah can't find her, and uh, they find her like out in the middle of like the forest that's surrounding her house, and she's out there with Harris, you know, digging a hole or like doing some some weeding or something. Yeah, so we um, think. So we think. Um, I also like the way that they set up, like, even uh, when they're getting the cameras, like, established and stuff, there's those first couple of shots where, like, you were talking about the paranormal activity style. There's that one camera that's, like, on the stairwell, and it's, like, panning, like, back and forth, left to right. And Uh I guess Lewis, the other camera operator, is, you know, tinkering with it, and you see Deborah Logan just, like, walk walk behind him. (laughs) Yeah, she walks out, and then she walks behind him, and then you hear a door shut. And then he kind of turns and there's a door directly behind him that we couldn't see. And then he goes over there and just opens the door and it's just dark. Like she just walked into a dark room and he like looks in there like, uh, hello. And she's just, you know, just walked in the dark rooms, just chilling. Yeah. It's, it's just, uh, it's those like those 
they the building up tension right just is sort of they, they just ratchet it up and up and up until like things finally burst and it usually happens with like yeah they wake up in the middle of the night and like deb has disappeared or she's like screaming somewhere unseen in the house what did you think like this house is fucking labyrinthine by the way I think Gavin points it out yeah. at some point. He's like, you have third attic. Like, <laughs> they... Yeah, I was getting very confused because I I thought we'd already seen the attic. And then he made that joke, you have a third attic. And it's like, okay, so there's actually multiple compartments to this attic that we're now seeing. Um, but yeah, the house is very labyrinthian. And it, uh, it adds, I think, to the madness aspect of the entire thing. Because it... I mean, the way they decorate the house, too, is I thought very elaborate mm-hmm. with like fu- i mean they they kind of went like overboard with like how many like photos they put all over the place of like the mom and the daughter the de-aging stuff of like where you kind of like put the head on top of like an yeah robot. and yeah, i mean the, they like really went they really went for it there's a lot of mirrors and a lot of hummel figurines uh, yeah which kind of plays a point in the plot later uh yeah and the mirrors serve to really they, they they pay those off with so many moments of like the camera work of having of creepiness you know, yeah of mirrors, super creepiness yeah mirrors can be an ally, an ally mm-hmm. in uh camera angle creepiness absolutely for There's these movies so many shots of like through a doorway from far away and they see like deb sitting on her like the side of her bed uh-huh. looking into like directly into the camera through a mirror and just staring and it's those it's those that are the most unsettling for me where they just like Oh yeah, that, that's part of that ratcheting up that that horror and that tension that just like pays off so well later on. And oh I think man, it yeah. works so well for the found footage aspect of it too because it all does seem so, um, so accidental and so like not cinematic in a way. Yeah, not right. planned moments. Yeah. Uh, so um, I guess the first like attack happens uh, later on whenever Gavin is in the uh, they're in the kitchen and uh, Deb pulls a knife on Gavin. Um, yes, that was yeah because she's lost her uh, her spade to go dig in the garden with and uh, so she starts threatening gavin the, the the most annoying crew member with a knife um and they end up uh, having to take her to the hospital because her blood pressure is spiking uh and she like they end up discovering that like her her condition is deteriorating um so did you kind of catch on to like what was going on with like the the physical like transformation of deb throughout this um i think so i mean as far as like specifically like what are you asking so, okay, so we get, we, we learn, you know, in the grand scheme of the plot, right? We learn, like, later on as uh, as things develop um, and Deb starts doing, like, weirder and weirder shit, like, uh-huh. you know, acting out, like, self-mutilating and stuff and then, like, showing up naked in the attic um, and then screaming and disappearing into the night and, like, looking out the window and, like, teleporting on top of, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the oh, oven, yeah. right? P- possibly one of the weirdest moments of the movie. Right. Um, we learned that like there's this other backstory where it's like so she was a switchboard operator back in like you know the 50s or something yes um, which and what we learned through like that exposition and she tells us like herself is that um, she kept lots of secrets for the people in town um, and that it was like it was part of her job you know to, uh, to to connect her you know phone calls that could have been seen as you know insidious or something and that through her switchboard operating she would um, hear things she would hear things right yeah and as a side plot, we learned that there was the, uh, these like historic murders that occurred uh, in the town of like uh, of three small children. Um, then there was this guy who was a sus- suspect that who like disappeared and they like never found again. Um, and so we find out that there was sort of this, on, it was Henri. Yeah, he was some very French, French very French very name. French name who yeah I, I didn't even attempt to like you know. 
Yes. <laughs> to, to retain that. And in a very uh, comedic fashion, they go, you know, the way they introduce this, they're like, they're like, you guys didn't know about this? There's a documentary. Have yeah. you not seen the documentary? And then, of course, they very they quickly pull up the documentary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it just comes up and then it's just like, oh, yeah, well, give us the backstory. Yeah, please. and it works because I think that they like they set up the format early on with like the... Um, like I said, the other inserts from, you know, the fully edited version of the documentary we are watching being filmed. And so it, it all kind of like plays like naturally, like you're, you're like, all right, I'm okay with you just, you know, shoving this in here for exposition's sake. Um, but yeah. we learned essentially that like, you know, over the course of their investigation into this, that um, this guy may have been like performing some kind of like, you know, uh, sacrifice, like sacrificial like ritual yes. um, for eternal life. Because this guy had uh, Lou Gehrig's disease, right. which if any anybody knows anything about that is a very uh it's what Stephen Hawking had so it's basically your body deteriorates yeah so in an effort to stave that off and to like heal himself he turned to the supernatural and decide and there's like some ritual sacrifice of five children um I think it's children and I think it has to be girls am I wrong five young women five young women to uh, gain immortality through this demon, which is which I think is like an old Native American demon. They it's, talk about that kind yeah, of. Yeah, they very to they do, very quickly touch on that. Yeah, they say they mention some random like words and names and stuff like like these movies often do to try not to like. It's always something like vague or you know and fictional to, to kind of like just pay off. You're like, yeah, it's, it's something witchy. Don't worry about it. Yeah. And, it's and, they, so and you, if you always want to make it extra creepy, just throw mm-hmm. in like native American culture. Right. You know what yeah, I mean? It's something. like, Oh, like ancient burial ground. And you're like, Oh fuck. Like that's don't fuck with something that. Something unknown. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Toby Hooper set that up in Polder guys. He just yeah, kind of ran with yeah. that ever since then. Oh man. Yeah. Great movie. It's coming up. Don't worry. Um, but yeah. So, and we learned through that, that basically what, what we're kind of like, led to believe is that uh deb found out about that this doctor was you know murdering these kids that she found out that like sarah was going to be the fifth victim or whatever um and so she the the doctor disappears and we think that maybe you know harris murdered him and that like you know deb covered up for it or something but then we later find out that like deb actually murdered him and buried him in the garden um but the one of the main aspects of like the uh like the demon or the uh, the ritual that they were performing is that they're 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 appealing to some the a deity like a snake deity. Yeah, right. And so when you said when you said her physical metamorphosis uh-huh. out the movie, is it she's turning into a snake? Essentially, right? Yeah. Or like shedding like a snake. Yeah. Does? So she's basically turning into like a serpent like yeah. monster. Um, where by Which, the end of the movie we get that crazy like you know. Yeah, that like, was a jaw dropping moment, pun intended. Yeah. Um, for sure. Yeah. Because I think that's like this movie does a great job of you know there's a lot of tension and, and violence and gore that's that's established and it's all sort of like it simmers I think until the very end and then they yeah. really really nail it with like that crazy body horror at the end with yeah her she she basically has become this like serpent monster and unlatched her jaw and is fully consuming the head of a of an anemic child or something yeah <laughs> and I think you know one of the things about this movie that I think it touches on and it's something that I've always liked about. Uh, a lot of Stephen King's works. Um, and I think Stephen King notoriously has an interview where they asked him like, what, like what's, what's with you and hurting kids? And he was like, well, it's, it's the thing in society that we find the most unforgivable. Like it's the thing that we find the most fucked up. And that's, so it's the thing that we can't understand because we, as, as a society, like we think that's the most, detestable outcast thing that you can do. Mm -hmm. So I think when it comes to these horror movies, like we think of the two things that 
are just completely unforgivable, which is like fucking with like old, feebled old people and then children. And we have that happen at the same time in this yeah. movie, like simultaneously at one point. So and it's, it's like the stuff that you see and what you want to see the least. It's the most like the most. Yeah. yeah. A, a, and not just a small child, a small mm. child with cancer. So yeah. it's like we are just we are picking <laughs> on the vulnerable in this movie. Exactly. Left and right. Yeah. And it's and it also setting up the idea that it's, you know, the, the vulnerability of, of Deborah Logan as being a victim of the condition that she's going through as well right where it's like you're she's she's causing harm to herself and and being a threat to others but it's also you can see that it's like but it, it can't be her fault it's just you know it's it's her it's it's something that is being done to her and it, it very much is and it's that's why it's like that 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 unsettlingness where you don't know where to direct your your fear at or your your anger and i think that's an, an excellent way to like no for sure and i was going to say that a minute ago but i forgot mm-hmm. but um i think the movie does a really good job of setting up that extra layer of doubt mm-hmm. because the alzheimer's thing kind you know you know that somebody that goes through that basically like they deteriorate mentally to the point mm-hmm. where they kind of are doing things that make them seem partially insane oh yeah so if somebody is having a manic episode, it's very common for that to happen. Or you know, if they have that uh, mental, if they have that diagnosis, so it just adds that layer of where you feel for the people that are there because they're just like, oh well, I mean, you know, she's mentally deteriorating. Of course, this would happen, but it's like until we start to go to the doctors and the doctors are like, no, 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 like this would not be happening either this fast or at all with this condition. Mm-hmm. And that's when they're like, oh shit, okay, well, what else is going on here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it plays off really well to the the idea of how they kind of set up Harris as being sort of like the uh, you know the fake out. He's like the red herring um, as being you know the murderer because they once they they get to a situation where you know Deb is in the hospital where she kind of begins to also start trying to kidnap the kid or whatever. But the first experience that she has there is when she's you know she's been uh, you know strapped to the, the the hospital bed at this point because she keeps acting out in these manic fits. And Harris comes to visit her, and then she she begs him to kill her essentially because I think you know at that point she like knows what's going on. So he tries to go and and smother her with a pillow, and that's when we get the great he gets. She demon yeets a fucking TV at his head. That yeah. shot, that is one of my favorite like moments. I don't know. There's something about in all the movies that we've done so far is you know large inanimate objects being tossed at people have just been cracking me up like left and right. Yeah, and um, it's like and it. I think you know the movie seems like it takes place in a somewhat relatively recent time period it right? seems to take place in the time period it was filmed right yeah, so 2010 but the t you know i mean it's it could be an old hospital but the mm-hmm. tv on the wall seems very like 1994 that is yeah it's no, a it's big a ass bulky yeah, yeah it's, it's a, a big ass bulky tv <laughs> so it's not a tv that you want to get hit with yeah and it that yeah it, has it, some heft to it, it it whacked him it came yeah. off that wall really quick yeah and he he immediately gets uh yeah hospitalized as well yeah and that's when we kind of get the forced exposition where he's he tells uh sarah that you know that the body was buried like on the on the premises and that 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 ends up being sort of like the final act is them going and trying to like hunt down the remains of the uh the the witch doctor the doctor the french guy who who was kidnapping and murdering these small children yeah um and he is in a very small bag, which mm-hmm. I was very confused by. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if like maybe the maybe they chopped him up into littler pieces, or if the bag was at like, one time bigger. I don't know. I think the bag might have been bigger at one time, or maybe he was just a tiny doctor. You don't know. He, he could have been. been a very tiny doctor. He could have been. I also think that yeah, the majority of your body mass goes away after you deteriorate for you know a couple of decades. Yeah, and your bones aren't very heavy themselves. 
That is true. Yeah. That is a very good point. We're, we're mostly not bones, arguably. Yeah. But yeah, it is a tiny bag, but tiny enough that it, it can be buried, you know, with some discretion just outside of the property. And then somehow, oh yeah, I guess we, the, the implication is that she moved the bones up yeah. to the attic Up or to something. the attic, yeah. Right. And then they have to go and then they're, they're basically fighting an unseen force as they try to like remove the bones from the attic. Yeah. That um, was the moment that I think I laughed at actually, because they were like, Oh shit! She moved the she moved it. Where did she move it? And then yeah. they're like, "Well, may, probably the attic." And they're like, "Okay." <laughs> and then they go and they look, and then then they go, they start looking at the ceiling, and there's basically like a body shaped, yeah, uh, a wet black mold, black mold thing <laughs> on the really ceiling, did. and they're like, "I think that might be where." And I was just like, "You think? Yeah, yeah probably." You, you don't want to get that checked out. That's not. Y- a, yeah, yeah, that's not good. But it was out. like literally in the shape of a body, yeah. and I was just like, "Oh my god." <laughs> That shot, that sequence was fun though. Like I like the that's I think that's when we get the you have a third attic uh, line where they go up to the <laughs> the, the, the attic attic attic, um, and then they dig in and find yeah like the 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 burlap sack containing the remains of the of the doctor. Um, there is a great shot in that sequence where so they they try to burn the remains initially and then the remains like explode on them like a, yeah uh, which was actually it was a really cool shot yeah. like the way I don't know how they did that I mean maybe with like legit explosives but like it literally did like explode out like dust goes everywhere mm-hmm. and I was like oh damn that was really cool they do the thing too in that sequence where uh, as they they try to they're basically trying to escape from the house and in the window as they're leaving you see like the silhouetted figure of uh, I thought that was a nice little touch that, it, that it is it was a really nice little touch it's obviously in the moment when you when it first happens like it's terrifying and you're like oh ah! mm-hmm. you scream but then when you think back at it like I'm, I'm laughing now because they're like they're running and you know it's like the freaking fireplace just exploded and then the guy's like oh fuck look and then the camera pans and it's like a face and they're like ah they just keep running <laughs> so good though and they don't and like they have no idea what's happening but they just they're oh my god it's just is so funny and that's one of the things that happens throughout this entire movie but really all um found footage movies i find so funny is like for me and i I think probably everybody in real life like at some point you would ditch the camera but these people just like are like no this all must be filmed and like they're just on point with everything and that's the yeah that's the idea is like even with Blair Witch Project it's like the you know their their entire mission is to be out there and to film stuff for posterity uh and so that's that's the way that they justify them getting shots of every important element of the story yeah um which you know it it works it's it's your suspension of disbelief you know it, it works or it doesn't work and I think arguably the movies like you know paranormal activity are the ones where it's the most annoying because it's like they they subvert that expectation by being like oh we'll also give you a bunch of useless footage for you to like to to pour over and to like stare at and try to figure out if something's moving or not um which is a great way to pad your runtime if you're trying to make a you know a 90 minute horror movie (laughs) i think like like 80 minutes of of paranormal activity is just those those rotating shots those oscillating fan shots of an empty room yeah for sure and this movie is kind of like like a lot of those movies is uh it's a slow burn i think it is i think it uh, it picks it starts really quickly but then it also kind of like it's builds slowly to the to the climax i thought at least yeah i think they do a good job like i said of of the pacing of this movie of of ratcheting up that tension which gets uh you know pierced and broken pretty frequently by the by you know some weird crazy thing that deb does where it's like yeah one of those you know the very first sequence where she's like you know she either pulls a knife on somebody um or then she's like you know staring out a window and she turns around and she's like ripping the skin off of her neck and stuff yeah and so like very quickly things escalate in a sense um with the body horror 
uh, and with the gore where we understand there's you know the stakes of this are very high the the, the tone has shifted a lot from from uh, you know unsettling mental you know health documentary to there's something terrible going on with this lady uh, yeah but the uh, yeah the talking about this like I want to talk about this final sequence a little bit more because this this whole like so what happens is Deb is at the hospital uh, after she, you know, bangs up the head of Harris, who then goes into his own, you know, surgery or, or uh, physical health care, you know, thing or whatever. Um, the Deb's, demon does. Yeah, the demon does. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then Deb starts disappearing from her uh, from her hospital bed. She manages to like slip her hands out of the restraint that she's in. She like dislocates her her hand bones and gets out of those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they, I guess they also were allowed to set up a camera in her, her hospital room, which was funny because that's how we get all those shots of her. Like, yeah, they show, uh, who's the guy that's typically behind the camera? Yeah, Lucas, I guess. Lucas, yeah. they show Lucas uh, setting up a camera in right. her room at one point. And I guess, are we to believe that there's also like a CCTV thing in her room of, uh, I don't know. I think so because they show, they show like the writhing on the hospital bed from like, right. from an above angle. So they got the CCTV mm-hmm. camera from her room. Mm-hmm. Which and then we get like lower shots, yeah, of her like escaping from the restraints that she's yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. Um, but basically, she starts going and wandering around the hospital, uh, and we learn that it's to to go find another little girl to sacrifice to the the demon. Uh, and that this this little girl too is man because they so the idea is that she's in the hospital, so she's like you know has some immunodeficiency disease, like she's got cancer or something. So her hair is very frail and thin and like barely there. She just has like a little crown of hair. Um, and so you can tell that she's obviously like in dire straits medically as well. And the shots of, of Deb just like leading her like through the hospital. Cause the idea is like, she's trying to escape with this little girl to go and, and sacrifice her. Those were some of the most unsettling as well. And I think the one from the, the big one from the trailer, I think is the one where we get this, where they, they wander to like an un like occupied area of the hospital. And so the rest of the crew has to go and like track them down and find them. And then we get that shot of her like in that basement kitchen or whatever. And it's just her back and the little girl like facing away from the the camera and stuff. And you don't know whether it's going to be a jump scare or not. Yeah. yeah. And it's a total fake out for that. Cause mm-hmm. like you, you think it's coming at any moment. And, uh, and then like we finally see them just, you know, staring at a blank wall like you do. Yeah. Like you do. Like you do. And uh, you totally expect, like, once the guy grabs the daughter and, like, starts to pull her away for Deb to turn around and just, like, total demon face, like, yeah. scream at them. No. She's cool with it. Not not at this yet. Not at this point. Yeah. Um, so th- that's our first, like, fake out. And then eventually, like, Deb disappears again, and she fully manages to escape the hospital with the doctor. Uh, we find out that she is venomous now because she bites the security guard on the way out who dies of, like, or he's, like, dying of, like... Oh yeah, nerve yeah, dam or like uh, nerve damage, nerve damage, poisoning, po- poison, yeah, nerve damage. Yeah, what whatever those those venomous snakes do when yeah, they bite they you. Do. Um, and uh, then this this final chase happens where they they run off to these uh, this like mine um, with uh, a couple of police officers, which uh, is mentioned earlier in the movie. The mine is mentioned earlier that like that's where the sacrifices would take place. Yeah. Cause there's has, like, there's, there's ca- You're led to believe that there's like a cave system in this town. That's where the native American tribe would go and sacrifice. to Right. The demon. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's what yeah. they set up at least. Yeah. Which is something that like, I, I guess, I don't know. We don't have that many. I guess we have cave systems in Texas, just not around DFW. No. Probably yeah. out West. Yeah. I didn't grow up with cave systems just like nearby. Nope. Which is an integral role to like so many horror movies are yep. just like, the I was about to say, and even if I did, I would not be going in <laughs> them for, be, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, after I've seen The Descent enough times, I'd be yeah. just like, nah, no, I'm not yeah, gonna go Yeah, because you're there. tall. You would, you would do very poorly in, in yeah, a cave, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, I would do very poorly in caves. Yeah, you wouldn't make Even if right. I didn't die, I'd bump my head a lot, so yeah. I'm not a big fan of that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but they, yeah, so they run off to these caves, and I love how, like, so yeah, at the end of this movie, by the end of the movie, like, two police officers have died, because uh, they, they get the one fake out where they, they go and, like, meet up, they catch Deb, and then she, like, assaults one of the officers or kills him. She, like, bites him or something and then runs uh-huh. off again. Uh, and then in that final sequence is like, yeah, we're just down in the tunnels with Mia and Sarah and they're, Oh, and she like, Oh, but she, she bites one, but like later, I don't know if this is what happens. I can't remember if it's outside of the hospital, but in the woods later, I think they can, I don't know if you're building up to this, yeah. but like she actually like spits venom at two of That's them, like on is. their face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She like, like, like spitting Cobra style, yeah. like shoots the venom. Yeah. Yeah. For like, yeah, like Dilophosaurus. Style. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just like shoots it in their face. And we get, we get like a cut of like one of them with like boils on his face. Yeah. And you're just like, Oh, that's gnarly. That's cool. All right. I, I like seen her that snake one powers. I do. Yeah. I think her snake powers are pretty cool. I think this would have, if she had used them for good, right. I think that she could have been her great I kept, Avenger. I kept expecting Professor X to show up at some point. <laughs> and just, Fury, I'm yeah. Like, I want to talk to you about the Avengers initiative. Um, he, <laughs> but yeah, they, they, they end up down in the tunnel. Uh, and then, yeah, at that point, I guess the, uh, yeah, the, the, the female police officer has, has been shot or, been killed by deborah as well yep and so at the at the end of it it's just mia with a camera <clears throat> and sarah like leading the way as they're trying to find uh deb and the little girl and so we get this like you know twisting through the tunnels and stuff and then we get the night cam footage uh you know silence of the lamb style with like deb's eyes like glowing in the dark and shit and then we finally get that final reveal when they put the light on her and Deb is full, just like Ed, Ed, Nettie jawbreaker style sucking on the head of like the little, of the little girl. girl. And it's, yeah. it's so grotesque. No. Uh, and you know, th- I don't think this movie, does this, did this movie have music? I don't think it did. No. It had no score, really. right? Yeah. The sound design was just like, it was yeah, just sound design. They went throughout. full, they went full blown. Like this is just yeah, like Blair found Witch footage. Style. Yeah. yeah. Which I think works for for it all because the fact that you know it's it's hard to notice. Yeah. Is, is so it's thing. like when you finally see her, you know, jaw unhinged, mm-hmm. trying to swallow this little girl. It's like no music, and you even hear like the gagging sounds yeah. of her trying to swallow oh God, the daughter, so and you're gross. just like, "Holy shit!" Like you, you know, they went for it. Here we are, and it's like that. Probably that special effects shot probably ate up half the budget by yeah, itself. Half of this it, two million dollar budget. Yeah, because it was. <laughs> that was all of it. It was a shot. <laughs> Cause it, um, man, it was, it was good. It was a good payoff moment for sure. You're like, it was, yeah, it was good. And then they managed to, so they, they, they managed to wrestle the little girl away from Deb. And I guess that's where they, they, they have to burn the remains of the doctor in that tunnel for the spell to work. And they do. And it, it does some weird, like, I don't know, like, uh, uh, like Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark, like cave destruction thing, where they 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 trigger some kind of booby trap that makes the entire tunnel system collapse, right? Yep. Um, but I guess they all make it out. Uh, something weird happens, and they take like the the epilogue yeah, think, to this movie is very interesting to me. Yeah, they um, they all made it out. Yeah, I think I think they all did at least. Well, except for the police officers. They except were kind of yeah, yeah. R.I.P. Thank you for your service, guys. Yeah, right. The uh, but yeah, so they make it out, uh, and the the epilogue to this movie cracks me up where it's like i guess that that deb gets taken into like or does she die i forget do they kill her at the end of the movie or does she get taken into like no she uh she things just don't go well for her like she literally just they 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 take her they say that she's not suitable to stand That's trial right. because yeah. of her deterioration and then they, you, you're basically just led to believe that like she just kept deteriorating and died. Yeah, like, that's that's that's, that's the end. Sad. This 
really awful thing happened at the end of Deb's life. Yeah. And that's it. And then, but we do get the little tag with the uh, the little girl at the end, though, who I guess that, so the end of this movie is a news crew talking to the little girl who was kidnapped uh, and sort of, you know, questioning her about like the events and stuff and asking her, you know, she's, she's, she's made a full remission. She has been cured of her cancer and everything. Oh yeah. And full uh, head of hair. She's back. She's looking good. Yeah. She's looking creepy as fuck though. Yes. And like, she is <laughs> like what honestly more creepy than when she had cancer, which is Say weird yeah. yeah it says something um they're like what are you gonna do now and mm-hmm. she just kind of like looks directly into the camera with like menacing glare and you're like oh no yeah she actually she literally says they're like they're like well what do you want to do like when you grow up now and now that you like actually are gonna have a future like i think mm. she actually words it like that which is terrible <laughs> um and then the the daughter is like uh she's like oh that's a secret and then she's like oh okay yeah and then you know and then she's that's like all right cool then she just goes and then she like turns and like creepily smiles at the camera and you're like oh no <laughs> yeah yeah no, that's creepy so and then we're left to believe because i mean there probably won't be a sequel for this movie so we can i, I guess happen by now. we can we can talk about what that maybe is or like what is the you think they were setting up yeah i was wondering if they were setting up a sequel for this like i don't know where you would go after this movie i guess maybe like the little girl becomes like the avatar for the the demon thing and then tries to go yeah make that final Sundays. Well, I guess like the thing that I was trying to figure out is, is are the demon and the Henri crazy guy that was trying to sacrifice girls, quote unquote, to the demon, are they two separate things or do they become one? Like, is he, is he the vengeful spirit of that guy yeah. or is it the demon? Because I, I was having trouble figuring out the differentiation between the two. My understanding is that they're two separate, that my understanding of it was that they were two separate entities and that like whatever the, the demonic force was is what was like actually like possessing Deborah Logan. Yeah. And then like, or like working with her, but there was also, but that the, the doctor figure was, was also present, like haunting her because whenever she's doing like the paintings earlier, right. She's like painting in her little, her room at the right. beginning. And we see like the shadowy figure that's like approaching the window in the, through her paintings, which are like a little flip book essentially. Yeah. Um, and that, that, that was my assumption, especially since like <clears throat> the level of like, like the powers that she gets and like the, the crazy, you know, supernatural shit that she ends up being able to like do with as she becomes like possessed by the snake demon or whatever. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's a, I don't know. It, it, it's definitely interesting. I, th- I, I, the, by the logic of the movie, I assumed that Deborah Logan was possessed. I think that they, don't they say earlier on too, that it's like somebody who is like vulnerable, like yeah. susceptible to, you know, these kinds of like, Some attacks. Of the, they call them a uh, parasitic entities. Yeah. Uh, or par- parasitic paranormal entities. That's a mouthful. Parasitic paranormal entities. Yeah, that they attach themselves to somebody who is deteriorating because yeah. it's easier to kind of like, I guess the logic behind that is that it's easier to break through into possessing the person if they're yeah. already kind of vulnerable. Um, which it checks that, out. Which that checks out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. we forgot about the, uh, I mean, because of the obligatory um, paranormal specialist who pops in that they, you know, they have to play the video of, of a person who's who's an expert. Oh on, yeah, on there's always an expert. Yeah, there is. And then he, what does he talk about at that one point? He talks about how like this woman, who her okay, so her son died, or something like that, and she she refused to let go of his corpse for like months, right? And started to become him. Yeah, that's which, that's, that's all we, that's all the details that we get. Yeah, but that, that's how minus we get the some logic very of, weird photos. Yeah, that's how we get the logic of like the the, the remains of the dead body 
being close by is what's causing like cr- like creating the, the the bridge for the oh uh, yeah 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 okay the, the entity to, oh oh to yeah then yeah step okay in. now that makes um, more sense I didn't think about that yeah time. it's kind of like I mean it's always like with yeah like with the rules of these like supernatural movies um, especially like the found footage style where it's like okay we we need the characters to learn the rules and how to you know fight this thing or whatever. And it, it always kind of is like I don't know. There's there's different ways to do it. I think like the Conjuring universe gets around it by having the the main characters be the supernatural experts or whatever, right? Which is also kind of like a, a cop out, like where you're I don't know. That is something I, I wonder about. I I I've, I go back and forth with like with horror movies like these, where I'm like, is is the the movie better or worse when we fully explain like the nature of the force that we're fighting against, right? I typically lean on the side of it's worse mm-hmm. because I think things are more terrifying when you fill in the blanks. Right. Um, but sometimes, I mean, if you have a, a good enough backstory, it can make it more messed up. You it, know what I mean? It can. Yeah. And I think the, uh, if, if, if a story necessitates having, I, I guess maybe by a rule if a story necessitates having, you know, the consultation to a, a third party supernatural expert, that's whenever it like breaks down for me, wherever I'm always like, all right, well we need somebody to explain. Like it's like the dungeon master popping in and being like, right. All right these are the rules. This is how you defeat, you know, the monster or whatever, right. which is always like, yeah, I think that I, I, I don't know when that became like a, a trope. I don't, I can't remember in like my, in my mind, like, when that first is sort of established as a, uh, uh, you know, as a cliche of having like somebody step in and sort of yeah. explain the shit, I guess maybe it isn't like poltergeist whenever like they're like, you know, Oh, you buried the bodies or you just moved the headstones or you didn't move the bodies or something. And like, Oh, oh learned, my God. Yeah. That yeah. amazing scene where he's screaming yeah. at the guy, about like you just, he's like, you son of a bitch. Yeah. You just moved the headstones. You didn't. Oh yeah. That's, that's one of my, Oh, it's so good. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean that's a that's a really interesting topic when it comes to filmmaking like this in general because like a a good reference point for me is like a quiet place, mm-hmm. you know, like in the first quiet place, we get no information whatsoever, yeah. and I thought that kind of made it really interesting because we, it was still such a visceral movie, and I think more so visceral because all that we get are the rules and then just of how to survive and then just like this thing that this family's dealing with. And it's just yeah. such a, just a very raw emotional movie for that reason. Mm-hmm. And then like quiet place too, we get like a little bit more information with like the comet at the sky at the beginning and stuff like that. But John Krasinski is like fully open about it in interviews that he's like, I know exactly like, I know everything. I have everything planned out in my head, but I'm giving it to you guys in increments because I don't want you guys to focus too much on that stuff. It, it, it does. Cause I think that's the other thing is like, especially the way I think in modern times, particularly in 2022, uh, you know, with, with the way that, that the internet has evolved around film and like the industry and stuff, people are so beholden to, to obsessing over the details and the mechanics of like of rules and movies like that. And, and the justifications are not for like why characters would behave. They do uh, the way they do. And I think it can be distracting when it's like, when you are, trying to like you know parse out whether or not the action of the movie is behaving by you know the mechanics that the the story is supposed to have set up i think a great example of like a subversion of that is something we just talked about recently which was like the evil dead right oh yeah like with the necronomicon you know you had the book of the dead and in 1981 and the evil dead sam raimi he, he he gives you enough of an explanation as to like why maybe like things kicked off 
but then there's no logic to like how the demons work at all. No, it's, it's like, great. It gives you this like little, this little like latch of a, mm-hmm. you know, literally of like a book to like unlock. And yeah. it's like, oh, but once this thing is open, literally anything it's is the wild game. west. It's here. the wild yeah. west. You know, um, we just got to say the words, which and is, I think, it, you know, I think, which I think works better. I, I guess there is a spectrum, obviously, to like, you know, within that within that conversation about do the rules help the story or not? Um, because in that situation, it's like, yeah, in, in the evil dead, the, the idea is that the cast of characters just each in turn just becomes possessed and it just starts to attack, you know, Bruce right. Campbell. And it, it all works. Cause you're like, well, I don't know if it's passed through get them getting bitten, like zombie rules, or if it's right. like, they have to see each other. And it's like, no, nah, it just, it just starts happening. And like the well, lack of explanation I- is I think what helps it in that situation where it's just pure chaos. And yeah. you don't, you know, and that that sort of like just draws you into this this vortex of, of terror and stuff in a way. Right. Um, well, if you if you watch that movie, like say this, I'll propose this question to you. Like if you watch that, if you watch that movie uh, without the exposition, mm-hmm. like how how would that change how you view that movie in your opinion? If you could think of, if you could hypothetically think about how you would yeah, look if, at that movie without remove, any exposition. Yeah. Like if we remove the. Um, you know, the, yeah, the, the tape, yeah, the tape recorder, yeah. uh, with the explanation from Doctor Wilbley. I think, like, cause, but that's the thing, though, is I think that there's there's two different parts to this. There's there's the exposition, the setup of like what's going on, and then the difference between movies like The Evil Dead versus like this movie is the explanation of how you then defeat the monster, right? Oh, right. And yeah. I think that that's what it is. Is like in The Evil Dead is is to a point, Ash the. T- now, by this point, Ash still hasn't figured out how to, you know, escape or solve this problem. And he's just eternally yeah. cursed um, from yeah. having opened this book. Like, he knows how to, like, you know, they say so in the movie. It's like you have to dismember the bodies for them to, just, you know, stop working or whatever. But, like, right. beyond that, it's yeah, just kind it's of. Just, that's just one demon, <laughs> yeah. you know. That's <laughs> just taking care of one. That doesn't solve. One demon just, at yeah, a time. Yeah, it's just a Band-Aid for a, uh, for a larger problem. But, yeah, I don't know. Like, and like I said, with, with when it comes to, like, movies like this, The Taking of Deborah Logan, um I guess we get enough of, of, of exposition and, and balance between that and like, you know, the rules to defeat it. Um, but I do like, I don't know. I, I, in my cynical mind, I do enjoy movies where it ends with, you know, them not solving the problem and things just kind of going on. Like there is that sort of uh, nihilistic ending for movies. Um, right. But I think that those can also be kind of campy as well and can have, you know, like, like, the ending of some of the most recent like Ari Aster movies and stuff like people have problems with the ending of Midsommar because it's like nothing's resolved it's just sort of like yeah. it just ends right but it's like well that's not the point like the story was told to you and like you're supposed to exp- you know witness something throughout the telling of the story um but I guess those are just different storytelling formats uh, which is perfectly fine too um, yeah and it's funny you bring up Ari Aster because I'm trying to think of like if he no, his movies have a pretty good setup. Right? Oh, yeah. As far as like they, they you get a lot of history there yeah. with most of his movies. Yeah. Yeah. Even with uh um what am I thinking of Hereditary, you get some kind of history of yeah. like what's going on in the place. And in that one too, they even like, you know, they pepper in you know, it has kind of a similar plot line to like Paranormal Activity 2 and 3 and stuff too, where they start introducing, it's always like, ah, there was some, you know, like deal right. made with some witch back in the day for like something. And it's like a... Oh, and that's a great yeah. question. Yeah. So like have have the Paranormal Activity movies gotten less scary as we've learned more about what the history is? Or or was the... You know what I mean? I like, think is, so. I think so too. I think so. I think first that, one was always like the yeah. most terrifying. Because you think, have no idea what the fuck's yeah, going on. Yeah, absolutely. And it's and it's also just one of the funnest ones. Like the first, I think the first two are great. Um, the second one too. I I like the 
because the first one the the main thing that like the second one improves upon is just like the the addition of more camera angles and stuff and like more characters yeah um to where you're bigger like, budget yeah there's just more to enjoy here more to sink your teeth into yeah um yeah but it's like even with you know going back to like the idea of like the Blair Witch Project, uh, did you ever watch like the very like the misguided sequel to that? No, uh, I didn't. Yeah, it's fa- it's amazing. It came out like very soon afterward, and it has like a different. It's not found footage. It's, it's like an actual narrative and stuff that gets set up, and it's basically like characters who have seen the Blair Witch Project going and like trying to like you know do some like horror tourism and stuff, um, and it plays out I don't know hilariously, but um, yeah, the first the thing about the first Blair Witch Project. And that aspect of found footage is that there's not like there's not a clear narrative sort of arc. It's like there is for, you know, the story and like, the way that we see the characters, you know, go through, um, you know, the horrors that they're experiencing. But like it's not there's not the, the clear devices that, that are explained to us and as to why they're experiencing those things. And that is like a very horrific because, yeah, it's it's the unknown. It's like the 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 aspect of it that you don't understand that is like yeah. incredibly scary. Yeah, well, I mean, I think a lot of movies, a lot of movies that I really like actually play on this one theme that the found footage aspect does, which is that you don't know anything more than the protagonist does. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite movies that uh, that is like, I think the best example of this is uh, Rear Window, Alfred Hitchcock. Hmm. You know, you're, you're basically it's just, blind spot for me. you're basically just getting, well, it's, you know, it's Jimmy Stewart mm-hmm. and basically he sees a murder happen from like across mm-hmm. his apartment way. Um. And you, it's basically like the entire movie is from his apartment. So his mm-hmm. perspective, and there's a lot of like doubt that happens in it because, you know, somebody will be like, Oh, well I saw her the other day and you know, and he's like, oh, okay. But then he like sees something else happen that night and you never know any more than he does throughout the movie. So you're learning and, 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 um, forming opinions and, you know, theories about what's happening that you're seeing the same way that he is. So you're kind of going through the same visceral experience that the, that the protagonist is. And I think it makes it more enjoyable kind of, I mean, I, I, oh, don't, yeah. th- I don't think that's every movie, Yeah, but it, but those movies that, um, that live in that vein and do it really well. Like, I think it makes it more visceral for the audience because we don't know anything more than the other person does. And I guess, we're, you know, we're, we're all, all experiencing it together. Yeah. Of, and we're also talking sense. like within the genre of horror specifically and how this, you know, these particular perspectives, like, you know, plot wise are serve the, the horror genre. Cause like, you know, within other genres, it's, it's very, very helpful to have, you know, multiple perspectives and understand, you know, that's, that's what dramatic irony is, is, is seeing things that the main character doesn't understand and then seeing like in comedy, like how that plays out and how, you know, the, the main character's lack of information is, is what creates the situations and, and enjoying that. But within horror and like having the experience of an audience member, um, you know, seeing something and wanting to be, to be scared and wanting to, you know, have that experience, the having that limited first person perspective from one particular character or even from one particular camera angle, you know, although that can be done. I think that is done in found footage too, where it's like in found footage, the idea, like, especially even with the paranormal activity movies or with this one, you know, the cameras show us stuff that the main characters can't see, right? Because it's like, we as the audience are shown as if we are the cameras, right? We get to see the different angles. And like, for instance, one of that for those first scenes where Lucas is setting up the camera and like Deb walks behind him and like none of the characters ever know that that happened, but we know. And oh, yeah, you know, yeah. it sets up that dramatic irony of like, oh, we, we are, we are the camera. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're the, we're the voyeurs. We're the, we're the omnipotent, omnipotent ones, like, you know, being able to see everything happen. Yeah. Um, and I think maybe that's the, that is an aspect of found footage that like works really well for these types of movies where it allows the, 
the filmmaker to do exactly the opposite of what you were saying, where it's like they're they're able to show things to the audience that maybe the people uh, in the, in the shots aren't seeing, uh, which is a really fun. Yeah, for sure. As well, I, th- I think one of the things I, I love most about this movie is I think it shows how I mean, maybe not this movie specifically, because, you know, I guess like Blair Witch really started it. But I love how horror, you know, is one of those things that like just constantly gets like thrown to the wayside as just kind of like pure popcorn entertainment and stuff. Mm -hmm. But it really but I mean, but horror movies have totally influenced film culture for so long. Oh, yeah. As far as and pushed boundaries as far as like things that are done. And I and I really I, I pray for the day that like a true horror movie actually makes its way into like the top, you know, best picture nominees. And but, I, I mean, I'm not saying I, at least in my recent memory, I don't think it has. Well, we've had the but, classic examples like, I mean, Silence of the Lambs famously won, you know, uh, swept the awards at its at its Oscars. Uh, yeah, but see, know, to for, me, that's a thriller. You know, it's not really it's not truly a horror. Ah, OK. You yeah. know, that's more of a that's more of a murder, murder mystery. thriller. In my yeah. personal opinion, I don't really think. Yeah, because I think that's like but I think what that kind of highlights, too, is one of the other benefits and maybe like something that that is seen as something that hold, holds back the genre is is horror is incredibly permissive as to what is is included within the cat i think it's it's one of the least gatekeepy you know sort of genres because it's like anything can be seen as horror um it's yeah. so, so much a subjective thing where it, it's almost like the opposite problem with comedy right where comedy is like so much in the moment and so much of you know the particular being able to draw upon the zeitgeist, zeitgeist of, of a particular era of, of you know TV or film or live yeah. performance and stuff, whereas like like horror can be you know things that are were horrific you know sixty years years ago can still be really horrific now, and then also can be played for camp and be you know silly and stupid and all of these kind of like fall into the horror genre because it is so. It's so permissive and so forgiving of things that would otherwise be seen in, in, you know, maybe quote unquote like serious filmmaking as just being, you know, trash or being useless because it's like this is a genre where where we allow for all of that uh, because it it as long as as I would argue in horror, as long as you're having a fun time and are entertained, we have a very, very like low threshold for or very, I guess, yeah, low threshold for what what is permissive as like being, you know, entertaining and stuff. That's why we get amazing stuff like, you know, Killer Clowns from Outer Space or, you know, Reanimator (laughs) or Malignant, you know, movie we just watched recently. And it's like the thing about horror is that like you're 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 mainly playing with this one thing of like entertainment and like stimulation through through scares and everything and then everything else is is important too but like as long as it's entertaining and it sets that up we're we're so open to it which i think maybe is is kind of one of the problems whenever we think of how horror sits in the critical eye within the industry and stuff because because it's so permissive the spectrum is so wide that like things that are really really good on in horror are you know are brought in in the minds of critics brought down by the median of horror which is like all the other junk that kind of like falls into it yeah i think that's i think there's some truth to that for sure um i just think i i think in an era now where things are so there's such a formula to everything yeah um you know with you know not shitting on them they have their place but marvel films and things like that and everybody kind of you know Hollywood being such a uh, a numbers generated monster that everybody's trying to kind of kind of emulate that formula a little bit because of the numbers that they put up, but I think horror has always been and will always be a place where 
people can come and play with new ideas oh, yeah. because there are no rules. Mm-hmm. So I think it's kind of becoming this, even even though it's always been a sacred thing, I think it's becoming an even more of a sacred thing because, you know, we have like general Hollywood over here and then we just have like horror still over here doing it's whatever the hell it has always wanted to do. And don't get me wrong, like horror still very much so like has like everybody's like, no, this is the kind of horror movie that's like hot right now. And like people are doing that stuff too. But you still have the people like, Ari Aster that are just like, no, I'm going to make this weird ass movie that's genuinely creepy, but also genuinely filmed beautifully. And it's, it's a true work of art. You know, it's like, I always have said, like, if anybody's going to win an Oscar for a horror film, it's going to be Ari Aster. I really, I really think so. Yeah. I think, I think he has the ability to do it, you know, mm. because, hmm. or, or maybe, or Robert maybe, Eggers. maybe I was going to say Robert yeah. Eggers. Yeah. Or Robert, Edgar, Robert Eggers too, because too. Robert Eggers, I think could mask it enough. Yeah. And he's like, no, he's actually, this is like this big revenge epic. And everybody's like, oh, okay. Yeah. But he's like, but secretly he's like, no, it's a yeah, horror it's movie. Secretly horror movie. <laughs> it's secretly a horror movie. Yeah. That is. Yeah. It, it, uh, oh, I had a point that I was going to bring up, but I just forgot it. That's okay. It'll come back later. Um, oh, I was going to say, yeah, like the, uh, within modern times, I think it, it, you know, so many directors and so many filmmakers have, have made their career by, like you said, by kicking off in horror because it has, it is also, you know, one of the most easily accessible genres for filmmakers, you know, like, you know, famously like people like Sam Raimi and stuff at Wes Craven, these people who can make, you can make a horror movie on a, on a very, very low budget um, and have it still be, you know, fit into the canon of, of great horror movies and, and be respected for that. And I think, like like you said, as we're getting into the, into the era that we're in where mid and smaller budget movies, indie, independent movies of other genres are being made less and less, um, I think, what to your point, what we're seeing is that horror sticks out as one that is still a place where filmmakers can cut their teeth and can come and make something for a very, very tiny budget and still have it be a successful within its, you know, objective uh, and its genre and stuff. Um, and I think that's a good thing. I think that's something that people are, are paying attention to and will continue to do. Oh, for uh, sure. In spite of big budget horror still being a thing now too. And I'm like, I feel so bad now that I completely left him out, but like Jordan Peele, obviously yeah, too. Like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, get out actually was up for what was up for best picture. Yeah. Wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's, I mean, it's a horror movie. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, all yeah his, his his movies are definitely horror movies, and yeah, I just showed you the trailer for uh, for Nope that just came out. That's a uh, <laughs> yeah yeah. Uh, but and I was telling him before we started this, but like I love this new trailer, and I'm even more excited about the movie because it it this trailer specifically added in the comedic aspect that I was wondering if it was going to be there because the other two trailers were very serious and very dark, but like it's a. Uh, it was a very funny trailer, so I'm, oh, yeah. I'm really excited about it. Um, so, final thoughts on Taking of Deborah Logan? Uh, do you? This is your first time watching it. What do you think? Like, would you <laughs> recommend this to, to people uh, for for people who love or people who don't like horror? Yeah, if you if you genuinely want to have like a creepy experience, which I I, I like to do when I watch horror movies, like mm-hmm. I actually like to get creeped out and have trouble going to sleep that night. Um, I highly recommend it. Yeah, it's very well filmed. Um, they do a really good of a good of a job like setting up the the premise of it um the, yeah it's it's shot very well the acting is great there's this one shot i always i always try to find one moment in films that i'm just kind of like oh that's that's just like director gold because i'm i also direct so i have this like director side yeah. of me that is always um peaked at certain times and there's this one shot where the daughter is washing her hands and she's just like looking at her with this face of oh, like, oh yeah, and and this and this face that she has on the malice, man, man, yeah. it's like it's this like, it's like she's questioning how much she hates her, yeah, and it's like it's this it's this this face that like, and so most of my favorite moments in film have no dialogue, mm-hmm. 
And it's just this face that she has when she's looking at her. And the daughter is just like trying to like ask her questions and wash her hands and show her love. Yeah, for context, this this is like right after. So Jill Larson's character, Deb, is like they catch her outside like doing like she's like digging into the dirt. Uh, Like the first time they catch her, she has a spade. She's just like jamming into the ground, like digging something up in the dirt. And I guess we're led to believe she's trying to like get at the bones of the dead body. Um, And so they quickly take her inside thinking she's having like a manic episode. And her daughter, Sarah, starts um, washing Deb's hands in the, in the sink and, you know, you know, chastising her, uh, for going out like at night or whatever. And yeah, you're right. That look of just sheer malice and on her face. And and you said it earlier that like in a weird way, her, her 800 episodes or whatever, that's not what you said Mm. of days of our lives that she did all my children, all my children. Sorry. (laughs) Um, uh, in a weird way, like it's like training for moments like this. Oh, like, of course. Only she could pull off yeah. that. Like the director probably said like, I need you to give me something like this. And she's like, got you. Yeah. And, and just like, man, did it read yeah. like it, it said so many things all at once. I couldn't, t- I couldn't take my eyes off her face. Like mm-hmm. it was, awesome it's yeah. the only thing that i can really say about it and i think one of the things i love and like one of the things one of the reasons i picked this movie is for a found footage movie the subtlety of the performances in this movie are, are fantastic i think it does a great job of like at, at at no time during the course of this movie do you get that sort of like the campiness of of people sort of being like well we're in a found footage movie kind of thing um which i feel like happens in in some other you know examples of the genre um yeah overall i think it's i, I think it's a fantastic movie and i think it, it holds yeah. up really well um so I'm, I'm glad you watched it uh but yeah talking about some more stuff about horror you talked about yeah that trailer nope just got released today if yep. you're listening to so going back by the way um as would happen obviously in the first season of this uh, show i'm filming a lot of these episodes very very much out of order so if you're listening to them in order this chronologically is not going to make sense for you um but the trailer for uh, the trailer for nope just dropped today the newest trailer uh, the final trailer uh, for nope which comes out in a month um dropped today and yeah it looks fucking sick i can't yeah, wait yeah it really does the, the comedy yeah jordan peele's newest movie uh, which appears to be some kind of like supernatural alien movie set in the west and it's yeah it looks yeah it looks awesome all of our all of our like doubts or suspicions about whether it's aliens or not were definitely confirmed in this trailer <laughs> we see multiple spaceships in this trailer or oh, yeah or one the one maybe there's just yeah. one but we see it multiple it's times a, in this trailer so action. it's about aliens yeah. yeah hot on the press another one uh prey uh, the trailer for that just dropped this weekend too. Did you see this yet? I did. Oh my gosh. Um, and you know, okay. So I'll say this: like I am a. I already told you this. I'm yeah. an eternal optimist for anything Alien and Predator. I just, I Alien is 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 literally, in my opinion, the definition of space horror. Like, oh, I, yeah. I, and so it's like it's it's a perfect movie in my personal opinion. Yeah. And then the sequel too. You Aliens, know, it's just like a very action time. action campy follow up, uh-huh. but it's still perfect. Um. And then the first Predator is great. I also thought the second one was great, even though it kind of gets tossed to the wayside. But like the Predator in Los Angeles, what's not to love? <laughs> um, but uh, as far as like a direction that that franchise could go, the Predator being the one we're talking about, um, I think it's perfect. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I really think it's perfect. And then it, the, you know, after looking into it a little bit, after watching the trailer, like, we kind of talked about how like everybody that cast for the most part, at least looks like besides the white people that are randomly in the trailer um, as clone as colonial people, I guess is what they are. Or like Mm -hmm. people West people moving West, like Western settlers. Yeah. They look like colonial Um, pioneers or something. Yeah. Pioneers. Essentially. So if you haven't seen the trailer yet, it's awesome. And it makes sense like for the way that the, you know, time wise, like that this movie could go. Because uh, we've we've gone to the f- the way distant future, right, with the Alien franchise, where oh, they yeah. go with Prometheus and stuff, and so this one kind of takes us like way Opposite back to the direction. past, 
where we're yeah we're we're in like uh we're in uh, like the colonial era United States I guess or pre-colonial era era like indigenous areas of, of the United States um, and the entire the, the premise is that the the predator is coming and, and taking uh, and and preying on on various native tribes um, and it looks just like it's such a cool setup for a movie like the idea of that like that this is like an eternal thing that we've been like battling with. I guess they do touch that on alien versus predator too. Yeah. There's a, there's this epic shot that gave me hardcore revenant vibes where it's like, she shoots this bear and the bear is like chasing after her. And she's like trying to get away from it by going under the water and the camera's like following her underwater. And then she hides in this, like, I guess bushel or, you know, think of, you know, just yeah, yeah. A, a bushel. A bramble patch. Yeah, a bramble patch. And, you know, the bear's, like, getting at her, but then the bear just stops and then just slowly gets, like, pulled out. And then she's like, what the hell? And then you see it, like, slowly rise in the air and you hear the predator Fuck yell. Yeah. And you're just like, hell yeah, man. Like, it's it just looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. And I like the idea, which we've talked about before in here, I think, already, of just, like, taking things away from the audience, which is, like, We've gotten used to the notion of like the only way to beat this monster is with like guns. Yeah. You know, I mean, kind of like, I mean, in the original, I guess Arnold really does it by uh, he. Oh, that's actually a really good point. Like he. He uses he, some Finding Neverland style. Like, well, yeah. Like so, traps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He uh, he starts with guns, yeah. but then he realizes that like, OK, like the only way to actually beat this guy is to get real down and dirty, yeah. literally cover myself in mud. Um, And so I like the idea of like, you know like Comanche warriors who we know are like, you know, I mean, they, def- they defended their territory against, you know, um, these pioneers that had way better weaponry, but they still held their own and did a really good job. Like what would it be if like we pitted one of those guys or mm. in this case, girls against uh, the predator, Yeah, you know, and just like just strip it down the to like just being. dudes with axes against like the predator. Like what are we going to do? It looks and it's fucking cool. It looks so dope. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all I'm on board. About it. Yeah. There's also apparently at that point that uh, yeah, I told you there's going to be an entire dub of it in uh, Comanche, which would be interesting. Yes. Um, and that's what I was trying to go. I was trying to go down that path, but I bunny trailed, of course, mm-hmm. uh, was like the, the um, responsibility in filmmaking to like being genuine with like the people that we cast as Native Americans, you know, playing Native Americans, you know? I think it's, yeah, well, being genuine, but then also the, I think the main thing is like not being exploitative of, of, uh, of a particular Other culture. Yeah. And, and yeah. using like, if you're going to use this as a, as a story element in your movie, then it should be accessible to and invaluable for, for those communities as well. And so yeah. that's, that's the big thing is like, you're, you're doing a good job by having, you know, indigenous actors play these roles, but then also having the film be accessible to and kind of and be made for the communities that are making it absolutely um, which is great too i mean i would have loved to see the movie actually in comanche mm-hmm. but i, I don't right. that probably would have been that probably would have been a, that was a literally hardcore as task. soon as the trailer started i was like but what this could be apocalypto right like what if it was like you know fucking uh yeah terrence malick's like you know everything is is all dubbed and like because whenever I see movies like that are set in like there was a, a French movie that I thought of recently where I was like, this is cool, but it will be even cooler if the entire movie was just in like, you know, colonial French. Oh, it was um, The Last Duel where it was like that uh, Matt Damon and uh, fucking uh, Ben Affleck and uh, Adam Driver and stuff. Yes. And I was like, because that, that one takes place in like um, France. Yeah. In France during like the rent, like the, uh, you know, like, or, uh, like 
medieval times. Medieval and times. And I was like, there's there's another version of this movie made by Arturo film- filmmakers who do this in like, you know, like old old French and stuff and have yeah, it already yeah. dubbed over, which would be make it much less accessible. Um, yeah. But like, well, to American audiences. Yeah, to American audiences and maybe just like, you know, world, worldwide audiences at large and stuff, you know, without dubs. But uh, I just, you know, in my head, I was like, man, that, that would be a really cool movie, but it's it's a different, it's definitely a choice. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was funny is like I saw that movie too and, and I had that exact same thought mm-hmm. about the I was like, Oh my god, this is like French exploitism hardcore and the French yeah. are gonna hate us even more for this. Yeah. But I will say like after after you kinda get over that the movie is pretty fun and it has one of the best like fight sequences that I've ever seen at the end of yeah. the like between the one between Matt Damon and Adam Driver at the end yeah. is gnarly. Yeah. Like it, it's it literally is like the reason to watch the movie. Yeah. Like it literally all builds to that. And man, they, they looked like they had fun I mean, with that fight sequence. It's the name of the movie. It's yeah. It's it the literally, last it literally <laughs> is the name of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, like, yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, have you seen anything lately that you uh, really enjoyed or hated? I have. Um, I, I honestly meant to mention this last time I was here, but it felt a little preemptive because it wasn't out yet. But my, my optimism was rewarded. Uh, the boys season three. Oh, Oh, yeah. is is in full swing and oh, you know those guys they just deliver they really do like they really they're it's honestly that's probably one of the most consistent writing teams working right now oh yeah like they it's they just have a good source material to draw upon too they do uh, and you know the actors i give the actors like all the literally every actor on that team perfectly like portrays their characters the guy that i can't remember his name but the guy that plays homelander just like give the man the Emmy. Just go ahead and give the man the Emmy because he's just, he's phenomenal. Apparently he like, did you hear about the stuff like in Spain with him getting like arrested or something for disorderly conduct or whatever? <sighs> it was. I, it's, it, I'm almost numb to that these it days. Is, it, I'm numb to it, but I how just times, thought, How many times has Ezra Miller been arrested now? Yeah, like right. 13 times? Yeah, seriously. They're trying to kick him out of Warner Brothers, but they just can't do it. Uh, yeah. They, uh, yeah but I just thought it was funny in relation to his character. It was like him being the asshole that he portrays on screen, like in a way where it's like, this is a really good, I don't know, good performance and stuff. And like, how far away from your real personality is this? Well, you know, I'll say this as an actor. One of the things that we all, you know, I guess we always get the question of like, how did you create this character Mm -hmm. and stuff like that? And you're just, you know, the thing you always have to tell everybody remind people, I think as an actor is like, well, I mean, I'm, I'm only pulling from things that I know, which is myself. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, these are, this character is all aspects of me to a certain degree, right? Mm-hmm. No matter how much I make it look different from me, it's still coming from me, which makes it me. Mm-hmm. So, um, and you can only pull from the emotional life that you know. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm sure there's probably a little bit of Homelander in there in him. I mean, he's he's too good at it for the, right. it not to be a part of him that can come out sometimes. But I just I don't think it's, you know, it's very exaggerated in, in the show. But it's, yeah, I'm sure he can. I'm sure he can be a you know an asshole, right? Yeah, we yeah. all can be though, right? Yeah, of course. You know, uh, it's not a spoiler, but one thing I liked about in one of the new recent episodes, uh, there's a scene where he's like completely naked, and I like that. Like in canon, in the story, it's kind of acknowledged finally that like his physical body is not as buff as like the suit that he wears. Oh man, I was watching, and I don't. I was wondering. I was like, did they? intentionally do this like did yeah. they did they actually think going into it that like it. he that he looks buff enough to look like he actually could fit fill into the suit or did they go is it oh it's actually great oh his name's anthony that's right anthony right. anthony uh star I think, okay right? yeah i think um but he uh 
Is there it part we, of the story that his suit is padded and yes, that it, like to make yes. him look it, even stronger than he really is? And in the show, is. it looks very padded. Yeah, it like looks the muscles fake. don't move. No, they yeah. literally are just rigid. Yeah, so it like it it looks fake. Yeah. So which is kind I love of like that. I I wonder if they if they'll explore that more the idea of like him being stripped of that suit and just showing him as like because then it kind of makes his you know godly strength even more terrifying in a way where it's like oh he's actually just like this kind of more like puny slim guy. looking yeah. dude who just has super strength yeah like uh kind of like the you know the uh, Kimiko character where she's, like, she's this little girl who can rip your face off oh like, my god yeah it's, it's amazing have you watched it so far yeah I'm caught up I you're caught up episodes. okay when when um, when Huey is just asking her to like he's like oh, just like okay I can't say it this will be a spoiler but yeah. like yeah, there's a, a really funny moment that yeah. happens in the new season where yeah. her, her, her strength, yeah. they ask her to restrain herself, essentially, and yeah. she can't. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's awesome. It's awesome. Um, new Boys, new season of The Boys is amazing. Uh, I think we both have seen it now by this weekend, uh, but man, the Top Gun train. Yeah. Oh, my God. You know, I will say this about it. Like, I... I enjoyed it as much as I laughed at it. Yeah. And when I say laughed at it, I mean just like it it's so aware of what it is. The like movie, it knows that it's a top gun. Yeah, movie, you're laughing you know? with the movie. You're not laughing at the movie when you're, yeah. when you're watching it. And I think that's the I think that is the kind of the, the breath of fresh air, the you know, the palate cleansing nature of this movie that everybody is sort of enjoying so much, along with the the just absolutely fucking crazy in camera work that they did for this yeah, movie. Yeah. Like you can see it. I know it's kind of like like we we knew this going into it, like, and we've talked. We talked about this before the movie even came out. Where I was telling you how, like, you know, if the movie has some semblance of a plot and you know some semblance of, of decent, you know, scenes that are very even barely well put together, and you know has the the ground breaking, you know, envelope pushing in camera cinematography like i'm gonna fucking love it and that's exactly kind of what happened it's you know it's a perfect 80s movie like oh yeah 2022 and minimal like, plot yeah minimal plot i mean like i mean but it, it has a plot it, it has like it has plot elements to it and it has good stuff in there but it's like just enough like it's exactly yeah it, it's as surface level as it as it promises and it, it's perfectly fine um uh, and then but yeah like the in camera the action I, I think i sent i sent you that video right of the behind the scenes like stuff that they did to film it like yeah yeah and it's just man it, it's fucking crazy like what they did to make did that you movie. did you go see it at alamo uh-huh okay did okay so they had the val kilmer thing before it yeah they did okay question then because i was wondering this because i i watched the documentary val uh-huh. recently which is really great highly recommend that if anybody hasn't seen it it's kind of just touches on his entire artistic life mm-hmm. and shows what he's done since getting diagnosed with uh um throat cancer mm-hmm. um but in the but in the thing before the movie he's is that him recently so is, is I he was, has, has I was wondering that too because yeah he was talking with some you know ability yeah right? and he like, still had a scar so maybe yeah. he's like totally bounced back which I love that's yeah. awesome if I that's don't the know case. enough to to say to say about that because yeah I thought it was, it was not without spoiling anything I thought it was, was interesting what they did with his character in the in film the movie, too yeah. and the way they they kind of worked around that and stuff um, so yeah I don't know that's something I'll I'll definitely like look into that I'm curious as to how how he's doing yeah. Um, I hope but, so if that's the case. Cause, yeah. Yeah. That was really sweet. I loved both of like the openings and like, I was like, man, it, it, it was man, just a great big nostalgia bomb too. It like, was I mean, for a, sure. A fantastic movie. It was just really fun. It's like, it had a very simple outline and it had a very simple thing that it set out to do as far as like storytelling wise, but with, this huge technical burden of like, mm-hmm. we're going to really like make this movie visually just stunning. Mm-hmm. And it, it really, really is like mm-hmm. it. I, my mouth was like, my, my jaw was on the floor half the time during those aerial dog fight scenes. Oh, yeah. I was just like, this is 
So cool. And you know that, you know, if you, you know, like you and me do, we research almost every movie we go see before yeah. we go see it. And you know, like the, the, the actual training that the actors got, you know, get put to like three month boot camp of like it's just going crazy. up in these planes they, and stuff. Yeah, they did like Navy training you know? and stuff. Yeah, they were like, I love the quote from the behind the scenes thing where Miles Teller is like, yeah, you find out what Tom Cruise does for fun and you realize that he's a fucking madman. Yeah, like, yeah. It's just, a, <laughs> I don't know. It's so great. Yeah, definitely go see Top Gun. I'm, that's That movie doesn't need any signal boosting, but like it is, man, it's fucking awesome. Yeah, it's, um, it's fun. It's summer fun, you know. Have we both seen uh, Crimes of the Future? Or have you not seen it? Yet? I have not seen okay. it yet. And so, I'm actually going, I actually told myself I'm not going to watch the trailer for this. I'm just going to go in as so blind. So you haven't seen the trailer? No. Oh, interesting. I'm going to go in as blind as possible. Yeah. And I like to do this for some movies. That's, yeah, that's that's a good way to do it. Yeah. I, uh, I posted a, like a joke review about it uh, on Letterboxd and stuff. Um, and it is, yeah, so going to see it, you know, as like a Cronenberg fan and everything, and I, I think horror fans will go into this. It's, um, uh, it, it definitely, it, it's definitely like a good, horror movie uh and it's uh i think people will be surprised by um maybe maybe how tame some of the elements of it are uh, especially for a cronenberg movie and i guess that's that's what uh, that's kind of all i'll say about it oh okay um, interesting because inter- i'm yeah. definitely walking into it thinking it's mm-hmm. not going to be tame yeah it is it definitely has a lot of body gore in there but there are some elements of the movie that like uh maybe we can talk about like give it a full treatment here later um that i think uh maybe kind of dilute some of of the the shock and, and horror of that um, so I'm excited to see what you think about it after you go see it. Uh, but it's it's definitely out right now, and it's uh I think it's worth going to see for sure. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't like I'm not gonna say it like it like knocked my socks off uh like maybe I was expecting to, but it's it's not a bad movie or any, by any by any means. Yeah, and um, I think it's probably why I'm gonna walk in with with no expectations mm-hmm. and no preconceived notions of any kind because mm-hmm. I you know I just want to enjoy the movie and it's such a unique premise. It'll be it'll be fun. To see no matter what. So, absolutely. As Cronenberg movies always are. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, thanks, guys, for hanging out with us. Thanks, Blake, for hanging out. Uh, of course. You always. don't have, again, Good time. so you're off the fucking grid. You don't have any socials or anything, do you? No, I'm yeah. off the grid, guys. But the yeah. goal is for you guys to be able to see me and more stuff eventually. So, yeah. uh, again, it was the uh, so movies coming out, or uh, you're going to be in uh, Fear of the Walking Dead? Yes. Here, in the upcoming the season. And then also uh, The Senior, which Ooh. is a film that's coming out starring Michael Chiklis. Hell yeah. You guys will get to see him beat the shit out of me in a bar. Hell yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited to see you get Me too. the shit beat out of you. Yeah. You've had, I, my character, you've had it coming for a yeah, while. I play... Uh, I mean, your character probably I pl- too. I play yeah. Harley, and that char- the character is a racist cowboy. Well, there you go. So, you know, <laughs> you know, I, I, yeah, I got it I got it coming. Those there guys all deserve to have their shit kicked out of them. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Well, well, we do have socials. Uh, if you guys want to go hang out with us on Instagram, uh, comment on our shit, tell us all the things that we missed about these movies. It's Instagram, uh, or it's uh, at... Uh, scary Sunday Scaries. Um, hey, we have a Patreon. Uh, you can go on there for as little as a dollar a month. You can get early access to episodes. Uh, you get to see work in progress behind some of the random digital artwork we do. Uh, Patreon.com slash Scary Sunday Scaries. Um, if you want to follow me personally on Instagram, I'm at Trav the Guy. Uh, I'll probably accept your follow request. Just don't be weird. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because then you'll be blocked. Because then you'll get blocked. And that's, I don't want to do that. Um, but yeah, so this week we watched uh, The Taking of Deborah Logan. Like I said, for those of you who are watching, listening to these, maybe in chronological order, this is going to feel weird for you. But next week's episode is going to be The Haunting in Connecticut, um, which is a really awesome movie. It's got Virginia Madsen in it, uh, who who's doing her classic, you know, uh, final act in a burning building thing, um, which is which is really fun to watch. Uh, so definitely check that one out. Um, but yeah. 
keep listening. Keep hanging out with us. I uh, hope you have a good week, guys. Stay yep. scary. Bye, guys. Thanks. Bye. Sunday Scaries.